worrying is spiritual. It's, it's, it's really spiritual. But before we dive into all that, let me quickly tell you uh, what I don't worry about to maybe unpack this idea a little more. I don't, and you're going to hate that a pastor saying these things, but I don't ever worry about your grades in college. I don't. I, don't, I mean, if you come talk to me, like I'm failing calculus and I'm just, everyone fails calculus. Um, I'm like, anyone's ever patented skinny. Um, but like, yeah, I'll be concerned. I'll be like, dude, like we got to study together. I don't know who, I, you can't study with me or have to study with somebody, but I don't, we have to get that better or whatever. Or um, I don't ever worry about your jobs. I don't ever worry. Again, if you, if you come talk with me, I'll have a pastoral heart and, and, and I will care when you, when you invite me into the problem. I also don't ever really care about your singleness. I know you care about your singleness. That's why you probably come to young adults. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I don't ever wear those things because I'm not devoted to your grades or your job or your non-existent dating life or flourishing dating life, right? I don't, I'm, not, I'm not devoted to those things. Never once in my life have I, have I like woken in a panic and a cold sweat in the middle of the night and going, oh my God, Rob is single, right? <laughs> it's never once happened. I'm sorry, Rob, where are you at? I still love you, dude. You can punch me in the face later. Uh, it's never happened. I've never once in my heart reading, oh no. Oh no, how are we going to get a girlfriend by Sunday, right? It's never, it's never, it's never happened. Why? Because I'm not devoted to that. I'm worried about what I'm devoted to. And guess what? You're worried about what you are devoted to. See, what we worry about reveals our core devotions. Let me say that again. That's a big premise for our conversation tonight. What we worry about reveals our core devotions. So let's somewhat come up with a definition of what worrying is. Now, while various factors and, and components play into what really worrying is, the most important thing the Bible says about worrying is it's a deep spiritual issue. Now, that's not to say that the Bible says uh, that ignores this, there's a mental or psychological or a social or an environmental um, aspect of worry, but that it sees all of those as a part of a spiritual issue. And that worry ultimately is, and pay attention to this, that worry ultimately is a response to a life lived in God's world. Therefore, Worry is a response to God himself. And so the big questions that we're going to kind of journey through today are two of them. There's two questions. One, does the Bible address worry as we struggle with it? I mean, it was written 2,000 years ago. I mean, have they heard of Sally Mae? I mean, like, no, right? John never wrote, and pay back Sally, Lay, you know, Sally Mae by whatever. No, he didn't write about those things. Or he didn't write about, you know, your girlfriend's mom, right? He, he didn't write about any of those things, right? Um, so does the Bible address worry as we struggle with it today? And is it possible to live without worry? Well, obviously, I think, I think the answer to that question is yes. And I think Andy Stanley, I'm going to borrow a quote from him. I, I love his quote. So if everything we said earlier is true, then Andy, Andy's quote is this. What if we shifted our devotions? What would happen to our worries? If we shifted our devotions, what we love, what we truly care about, what would happen to our worries? See, Scripture... And to answer the other question, does scripture talk about it? Yes, it actually does, all throughout it. It actually starts to deal with worry and anxiety and fear as early as Genesis chapter three. And if you know the chronological story or at least how it plays itself out in the Bible, Genesis chapters one and two is God creating the world. He created you, he created me, he created everything, right? And we learn in Genesis chapter three that they mess up. They disobey God, they do something they shouldn't do. And now sin enters into the human equation, distancing us from God, distancing us from our source of life. And now immediately God does something Something interesting in Genesis chapter three. Just a few verses after he says, you're an idiot um, <laughs> in different ways. Um, he does something. He does what he does best. And that is to provide for Adam and Eve. And he provides clothes for them to actually, uh, for one, to provide for them. And two, there's another deeper meaning to it, to understand the gravity of their mistake. That something has changed. And now this thing called shame has entered into this world for the very first time. They're experiencing this new emotion for the very first time. And by the way, one of the best ways you and I can deal with worry 
and anxiety is to remember that God is a provider. That's actually one of the things we're going to be talking about today in Matthew chapter 6, um, which is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of Jesus's most, is one of his f- most famous sermon. And, and so before we kind of jump into it today, I want to give you some context or paint the picture of really what this is saying, what Jesus is trying to say in this, uh, in this passage, in this sermon um, that he's giving. So one thing is um, Jesus begins to lay out an argument and he lays on arguments after arguments after arguments and each argument builds on each other, trying to bring validity to the statement that he just said before. And so today we're going to start in Matthew 6, 19, just real quick. And it was one of the verses that I actually talked about last week. Um, Jesus really kind of starts to um, uh, talk about something really interesting. He talks about our treasures. And he says to not value anything in this world as ultimate. Ultimate is that which you, which you worship. That's what you put on the throne of your life and you make it the ultimate. You say, if I only could get this, then my life would be better. That's what we really worship. If I only could, and you fill in the blank, get that. That's really at the essence of really what we, what we worship. Or if this was stripped away from my life, my life would come crashing down. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a relationship, your athletic ability, your looks, uh, your prestige, your job, your, your, how good of a student you are. I don't know what it is, but whatever you fill in the blank is, that's normally what we worship. And Jesus says, all right, listen, like, don't store up your treasures on earth where moth and, and things will rust and destroy it. Don't, don't do that. And Jesus, by the way, defines treasure, what we talked about last week, as that what we're devoted to, that which we love the most. And today, we're the verse we're going to be really beginning. So that's the foundation, remember that as we kind of enter into the conversation we're going to have tonight. So uh, in Matthew 6, 24, uh, Jesus opens up his conversation on worry, talking about money, which I always find super interesting. In fact, he says, you cannot love both money and God. You will love one and hate the other. And so let me read it really quick for us. This is this. No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted. I want you to, if you have your Bibles, highlight that. That's the big idea we're talking about today. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Goes on in verse 25 and says this. Therefore, by the way, whenever you see the word therefore, it's a connecting phrase. It's a connecting agent word that that says, in light of everything we just talked about, this is what you need to know, or this is what you need to apply. So therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. That's like one of the worst things to say when someone's like freaking out. You're like, dude, just kick it, right? That's like, have you ever been in a relationship? All right, so happens all the time to me. My wife will be like worried about something or anxious or whatever. And I go, hey, kick back. Never works. Uh, <laughs> don't ever say it. it. Always makes you sleep on the couch. Uh, I'm just kidding. But it gets you in trouble, right? So Jesus kind of begins this with like a politically incorrect statement. Like, hey, kick it, dude. Like, don't worry about your life. It's going to be all right. He says, what you eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. And you're thinking, what? Like, I don't worry about those things 90% of the time. Well, that's because he's talking to a different culture. I mean, maybe sometimes we would, we should worry about what we eat. We eat too much probably. But um, at that time, no, that's not how that worked, right? I mean, when they, there was no McDonald's back then, right? So there was like, they had to literally go like, you know, knock a pigeon out of the sky or something, right? To eat, right? It's very different than the world. Maybe not a pigeon. I don't know what was over there, but... <laughs> It was very different than the world you and I live in today. So their words are like, dude, what am I going to eat tomorrow? Like, I'm like low-key stressing about that. Or like, I spilt something on like my cloth or whatever, my shirt or whatever. Like, what, how am I going to clean this thing? Or how am I going to get a new one? Clothes were expensive back in the day, right? So these were the worries. And he's talking to their culture, his culture at that time. And so what would it look like for him to talk to, about our culture to us? If he was in this room giving this sermon, what would he say at this part? He'd say, don't worry about getting to the college of your dreams. Don't worry about getting about a job that you love. Don't worry about being single for the rest of your life. In other words, don't worry about your life. And you're like, what? Huh? Wait, wait, wait. Jesus, Matt, whoever. What? I don't, I don't understand. It's not computing. You're saying I shouldn't want to go to a good college? I mean, I shouldn't want a good, good, good job so I can get a good wife? 
I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, it's like a dog, like good dog. No, it's not what it means. Uh, <laughs> no, like our healthy marriage, like I shouldn't want those things. Like, well, what is Jesus trying to say? I don't, I don't understand. No, no, that's, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying those things are great. He's saying those things are important, but there is a way to face the uncertainties tomorrow by not worrying about it today. And you ask the big question in capital letters, how? Lucky for us, he answers that in verse 25. It says this in the continuing part of it. Is not life more than food and body more than clothes? Is life not more than food? See, see, he's doing something interesting here. Jesus is challenging our assumptions about our life by showing us that worrying about insignificant, trivial things are pointless. I'm not going to get us anywhere. Is life not more than college? Is life not more than a job or a relationship? Would you define life like life equals 4.0? No, but yet as we, we kill ourselves trying to get good grades sometimes. Our life equals food. I mean, for many of us, it really does. That's cool. But uh, life equals food. Our life equals college. Our life equals marriage. No, no, no. Those are great things in themselves, but they're just components of what life is really about. They're not the essence of what life really is. And so in Matthew 26, he says this, look at the birds of the air. And you're like, that's a jerk move. I'm worried about all this. You're like, just look up, man. You're like, that's not helping me. Like what? And he's like, let's take a deep breath and just look at the birds. And your heart's racing because you, you have $40,000 in Sally Mae or whatever, right? Or you're worried about, you know, this girl or that guy, whatever it is, right? And he's like, just look up. Just look at the birds. It says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. So again, he, he's addressing their culture. He's not saying for you and I to go out and look at crows. I mean, that's not what, he, that's not what he's saying. I mean, here's what it does look like for us. See, they're not going to UCLA. I mean, I heard this. This is uh, University of Cyprus on Lincoln Avenue. I thought that was clever. That's AKA Cyprus College. Um, um, I'd be like, I do. Uh, or they're not stressed out about finding a spouse. They're not worried about getting a job. I mean, birds literally just chill, right? They're flying east today. Like, let's go west tomorrow. There's a stick I really like. I mean, they're, they're chilling, right? They don't worry about much. They just chill, right? In other words, birds aren't doing any of the responsible things that you're doing. Right? You're, you're going to school, you're coming to church, many of you have jobs, and your heavenly father takes care of the birds, and you're being responsible. So now he gives us a question. In verse, 25, in the, uh, verse 26 says this, are you not much more valuable than they? The answer to that question is yes, right? We are creating the image of God. Genesis chapters one and two means that he created us in his image, meaning that God loves and cares for us. And when he sees you and he sees me, he sees a son or a daughter, which is, by the way, an incredible reality. And so, yes, God cares far more deeply for us than he cares for crows, right? <laughs> or any other created thing. In verse 27, it says this, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? The answer to that question is no, no, you can't, right? Worrying doesn't do anything. I, I heard a quote that said this, that I thought was funny. It says, worrying is like sitting in a rocking chair. Sure, it gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. I thought that was pretty clever. That's pretty good. And so in Matthew uh, 6, 28, he, he now begins to ask a really interesting question. He says this, and why do you worry about clothes? Girls, stay with me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just kidding. No, but the part of the question is really important. And why do you worry? That's the part I want to focus on. I want you to ask yourself that question just in your mind real quick. Why do you worry? Why do I worry? Because in that question, I think there's actually an opportunity. Because when you worry, you have an opportunity to see what kinds of things tend to get your attention more than God. Your over-concern reveals your over-loves. And this can be an opportunity to grow. 
Now, Jesus kind of keeps bringing us by this why question. He, he, he's really asking an even more pointed question. The, the more pointed question he's really asking is, what are you living for? Remember what we said earlier, what you're devoted to really is what you worry about the most. What are you really living for? Because if you're worrying about the things of this life, the trivial things of this life, not saying they're not important, they are. But if you're worrying about them, waking up in the middle of the night in a panic because of these things, that's what you're truly devoted to. And Jesus always gets to the core of the issue. That's why Jesus, by the way, was sometimes pretty uncomfortable. It's why he made a lot of enemies. I mean, how would the, how would the nicest guy make some of the most enemies to get murdered? It's because he, he told truth to people. And truth is double-sided. Yes, it's full of love, but sometimes it also really hurts. And Jesus here is saying, what are you living for? If you're worried about the things of this life, your heart may be in the wrong place. You may have misguided loves. You may have convinced yourself that it's me, but it may be something else. What do you worry about? Verse 29, he says this, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all the splendor was dressed like one of these. Verse 30 says, if this then is how God clothed the grass of the field, which is here tomorrow and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Ouch, it's kind of like an attack, right? Now, worrying is illustrative. It actually shows the depths of our faith. Think about this in this way. As Christians, we believe that God created this world and sent his son, Jesus, into the world to, fancy word, atone, means to reconcile us back to God. And we hold as Christians really near, and we hold that truth really near and dear to our hearts and that gift near and dear to our hearts. Yet we struggle with, will I get married someday? Am I gonna get into the right job? It's pretty silly to think that we can believe God for a greater gift, salvation, yet not believe him for a lesser one. See, it really reveals a lack of faith. In verse 31, 32, he says this, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. In verse 30, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. I think the series we're gonna do right after, uh, that's what he said, which is gonna be like next month or something. We're gonna do a series talking about the kingdom of God. I've heard a lot of you guys ask, I've read this in my Bible, like, what is the kingdom of God? So we're going to do a series called Keeping Up with the Kingdom. It should be pretty fun. Um, but the, the, broader, the broader context of these verses that, that Jesus is, is really communicating to us is, is that it brings clarity to the essence of what really worry is. Jesus is teaching, challenge us as he's repeatedly asking us, are you living as if this life is all that there is? Or are you living for the kingdom of God? Which God are you living for? Which God do you actually worship? Which God do you worry most about? What are the things in that worldview that you worry most about? Are you worrying that your friends are coming to Christ? Or are you worrying what's the job you're going to get? Those types of things we begin to really extract the motives of our heart and what we really are devoted to. See, the essence of worry is attempting to find your ultimate hope, your comfort and meaning in something that's temporal. It's fleeting, it's fading. It happens when you treat something in creation as God. So you rely on it, you seek blessings from it and you have an identity from it. But you and I know that this world is, is unstable, that it lacks stability. And if you put your hope in unstable things, you, be un, you, you're, you will be unstable. And, and Jesus does this amazing thing. And like I said earlier, he has arguments over arguments over arguments in Matthew 6, that sermon that he's giving on the mountain. And he ends actually his verse talking about the wise and foolish builders. And if you know anything about it, it's, it's that the wise builder builds his house on the rock. The foolish one builds it on the, uh, the sand. And when the, when, the, when the rain and the wind and the streams rose, which is the stresses of our lives because it's plagued with uncertainties, the one that was rooted in the rock, that's i.e. Christ, 
of the kingdom of God, they stand firm. But the one that's rooted in the sand and materialism and money and identity and in, in, uh, in, in your looks, in, in the career that you have, in power, prestige, that's the one that washes away. And he's saying, if you build your house on the things of this world, you have the joy sapped from your life. You will never have fulfillment or satisfaction in your life. He flips the spotlight onto us. What ends up happening is if we do this, if we, if we build our, our life in, in, in something of this world, your loyalty becomes divided by something in creation. Jesus uses the example money or God. And those things are constantly going at it. They're constantly conflicting with each other. And something in creation, even if it's a good thing, will usurp the rightful place that only God deserves in our lives. Whether you place your ultimate hope in anything in this world, you will always struggle with worry. Let me say that again. If you place your ultimate hope in something in this world, you will always struggle with worry, worry or some type of insecurity. He, Jesus ends uh, the passage in 34 for us, and he says this, therefore, do not worry, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has its enough troubles of its own. So let me bring some application for our message tonight. You don't stop worrying by trying to stop worrying. That doesn't work, right? Like, I'm going to really try to go to sleep, but it doesn't work, right? Like, like that's not how it works. You stop worrying by replacing it. And you replace it with a new truth and a new habit. So here's the new truth that I want you to replace your worries with. Whatever you worry with the most, whatever wakes you up in the middle of the night, whatever makes your, that, that gut feeling, whatever that is, this is the new truth I want you to replace that with. That you can do nothing about your worries because life is full of uncertainties. But here's the good side of that. But God can. And he will because he loves you, he cares for you, and he wants to provide for you. So that's the truth. The habit is this. I want you guys, something I found that was incredible in my own life is to pray through your worries. Whatever you most struggle with, think, Lord, I'm gonna pray through this worry. Because the secret to not getting dominated by your worry is letting God worry about it. And we do that through prayer. You may be thinking, yeah, dude, that sounds super great. That's like fluffy Bible, you know, Christian stuff. It doesn't really help. Well, I, wanna, I want you to challenge, I just wanna challenge you to pray this, this silly junior high prayer which is, God, here's what I'm worried about today. Will you worry about it too? And that prayer is so much more powerful than I think you're willing to give it credit to because it allows God to get involved. And that's a big, big deal because you cannot control or predict or intervene in the future, but God can. So the difference between you and I worrying about something and God worrying about something is he can actually do something about those uncertainties, about your worry. And so if you checked out today, if I've bored you, whatever it is, tune in really quick, because this, this is the statement that I want you to memorize, or at least remember. When you make God responsible for your future and all the worries that come with it, he brings his plan, his power, and his ability into your world. I'll say it again. When you make God responsible for your future, for our future, and all the worries that come with it, he brings his power, his plan, and his ability into your world. Several years ago, um, many years ago, I was like 15. I used to work at a liquor store right over here. Bummer. But anyways, um, I, uh, I witnessed this huge car accident. I was like mopping the floor or whatever it is, and I heard tires screech, and this car just mangled up. And so I run out the liquor store, and I see that there's this car that's flipped over. So I didn't know what to do. I, I run over there as fast as I can. And uh, thankfully, no one was seriously injured, but I didn't know that when I first approached the vehicles. So I, I go over to the driver's side of the car. I open the door, and to my surprise, I, I see one of my friends, Ray, who's mangled up, and he's under the, uh, the steering wheel uh, in the, that compartment down there. 
I had no idea what to do. He was dazed and confused. And I said, I, Ray, like, dude, are you okay? And I'm trying to ask him all these questions. And I'm so panicked. I, I don't know what's going on. I'm trying to ask him silly questions, like stupid questions, like, dude, what's the weather, right? Or what's, what's your name, dude? Like, who am I? And, 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 and what's your favorite TV show? And he couldn't answer, man. He's super dazed and confused. And, and it was like, what happened? What happened? And, and so I panicked, right? I, I didn't know what to do. And so finally, an ambulance showed up and, and, and I ran to the EMT and I'm like, dude, he, he's, he's on the car. Like, you have to get him out. Like, I don't know what's going on. He's bleeding. Like, you have to help. You have to help. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what's going on, you know? And the EMT calmly said this to me. He said, hey, let us worry about it from here. We can do something about it. And as trained professionals, they could do a lot more good in that situation than I could, just as a regular guy. See, I could worry about the situation at the time and nothing would happen. And that story means this to me. And hopefully it means this to you. I feel that God is saying the same to us. Like when you're worrying about something, when you're stressed out about something, when you're really down about something, it's making you super anxious. You're thinking about the future and all of its uncertainties and whatever it is, God's just saying, hey, let me worry about it. Like you trust in me, place your faith in me, place your life in me, and I have a plan. I have a purpose. I have a reason that you exist. Will you trust me? I got it. My shoulders are bigger than yours. And so that's what's so freeing about this verse is when God thinks about your worries or these verses, when God thinks about your worries, you don't have to because he loves you enough, he's capable enough, and he's big enough to handle whatever you're facing. So two questions I want to ask you tonight. What future uncertainty comes to mind for you today? As I talked about worry, what's the thing that comes to mind? What are you worrying about? As you head out today, I want to invite you to say this prayer. God, here's what I'm worried about. Can I give it to you? Will you care about it too? And in the process, will you take away my worry and replace it with your peace? Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you, God, for today. I thank you for my friends in this room. And Lord God, I thank you. Father, you are a God that wants to take care of our worries and bring us peace. All the uncertainties going on in our lives, the, the unanswered questions, Lord God, that we have of our future. Lord, I know a lot of us in this room are, are, are worried about what's going on in our lives, but Lord, let us know this truth. Lord, if we place our lives in you, we do not have to worry about the uncertainties of this world because you are sovereign, meaning control of all things. So Father, let's lean on that truth tonight. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said.